You are listening to Uncommentary. Hey folks, this is Marty. I want to remind you again about my friend Byron at Hearts and Minds Books and encourage you to order from this uh, independent bookstore up in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's heartsandmindsbooks.com, and when you go there, you'll see easily the navigation to uh, request a book or to ask about a book. Uh, they're super helpful. If you'll mention Uncommentary, uh, on some books you can get a discount. They can't discount everything because of the nature of their small operation, but when they can, they do. And I really encourage you to check him out. Uh, he mentioned to me recently that there has been some business come, come his way as a result of the podcast. That makes me like really happy. That's heartsandmindsbooks.com. Uh, you can actually leave a card on file. I do this all the time. And then email him when you want a new book and how you want it shipped to you. And he can handle it uh, right there through your email. And uh, it's really, really encouraging to him. And so I encourage you to check him out. There are few things more newsworthy uh, in this current moment than the 25th Amendment. This is Saturday, January 9th, after uh, after an attempted insurrection at the United States Capitol building on Wednesday of this week. A lot of people were asking about the 25th Amendment. Should the 25th Amendment be invoked in order to remove the president from office? So I'm going to read the 25th Amendment, uh, not in its entirety. I'm going to read sections 1, 2, 3 and part of 4. The second part of 4 gets into some of the weeds of processes and things like that. And then we're going to move on to have a discussion with um, my guest today, who has authored a book about the 25th Amendment to the Constitution. And so we're going to find out um, a few things about it, what it's for, when it was added, um, whether acting cabinet members... Uh, can participate in a vote to remove the president and who besides cabinet members can be involved in such an activity. So um, without further ado, here is the 25th Amendment Section 1. In case of the removal of the president from office or of his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Section 2. Whenever there's a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office immediately, uh, who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. Section three, whenever the president transmits to the president pro tem of the Senate and the speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office and until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the vice president as acting president. Section four, first part. When the vice president and a majority of either uh, the principal officers of the executive departments, that would be the cabinet, or of such other body as Congress may by law provide, which we'll get into today, hopefully, transmit to the president pro tem of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives, their written declaration that the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the Vice President shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting President. My guest today on In Commentary is a professor at Michigan State University. He's also the author of three books, 60's Sandstorm, The Fight Over Establishment of a Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. Now, dude, I got that sounds like a really niche audience for that book right there. Yeah, that was uh, local history. It was based on my 
undergraduate um, honors history thesis. Okay. Um, and it, I chose the topic to give me an excuse to go up to the Sleeping Bear Dunes as much as possible. It's one of the best places in the country, in my uh, well, biased opinion. That, that's, a, uh, that's pretty strategic, I have to admit. The cover of it looks great, though. It's it probably an interesting book for folks who are from that area up there. Uh, also, Constitutional Cliffhangers, A Legal Guide for Presidents and Their Enemies. Uh, can't imagine anyone who might be needing that one right now. But the one that uh, we're going to be talking about today, uh, subject matter-wise and book-wise, is called Unable, The Law, Politics, and Limits of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment, uh, and that would be to the U.S. Constitution. Brian Colt, welcome to Uncommentary. Thanks for having me. So, um, tell, I, I mentioned that you're a prof at Michigan State, and you can go ahead and uh, give your title if you want, but um, tell everybody about yourself a little bit. Well, I'm a native Michigander and uh, went to the University of Michigan for undergrad, went away for law school uh, and practiced, but um, came back in 2000 to teach at Michigan State, been here since 2000. And um, my focus professionally, uh, especially recently, has been on uh, the presidency and things like pardons and impeachment and elections and the 25th Amendment where I think it's really useful for people to think really carefully about um, the law, figure out the, the sort of murky questions in advance um, so that w- when these things happen, we know uh, what the law says and, and don't just base our opinions on whether we like whoever the president happens to be at that time. Um, and that's what I've tried to do. So I, I, I'm, I'm, pretty much uh, always an explainer more than an advocate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and so I've been, I've been pretty busy um, yeah. been drinking from the fire hose these last few days. Oh man, I can't even imagine. Um, well, over the course of uh, the current presidency, there, there have been a couple of times, uh, probably more than a couple of times. There's been a lot of times really where one person or another has suggested that the 25th amendment should be invoked and the president removed from office. Uh, and of course, those cries really amped up since uh, Wednesday uh, afternoon of this week. So if you could talk a little bit about what the 25th Amendment to the Constitution is and how it got, obviously, since its amendment, it wasn't written in there at the beginning. Uh, what were some of the causes that precipitated it being added to the Constitution? So the original Constitution in Article 2 says that when the president is suffering from an inability to carry out his duty, that the vice president um, becomes acting president. But it doesn't give us any procedures. It doesn't say who decides. It doesn't say what constitutes inability. Mm. And uh, as a result, vice presidents never stepped up. Um, Among the problems stopping them from doing that were they would look like a usurper. It wasn't clear uh, that the president would take his power back if he recovered. So if they thought the president might get better, they wouldn't want to do that to him. So when President Garfield was shot, for instance, he didn't die for almost three months after he was shot. And so for a lot of that time, we had no president because wow. no one wanted to no one wanted to displace him. No one wanted to say, well, he's, he's not going to get better. Um, no one wanted to look like a usurper. 
President Wilson had a stroke. He was completely incapacitated. His doctor announced to the country that he was incapacitated, couldn't do his job. Um, and um, the, the vice president, again, didn't step up. When Eisenhower came in, he realized because he was uh, a general and understood how important it was to have clear lines of authority. Mm -hmm. And we were in the nuclear weapon age. Uh, he understood that this was intolerable. And so he worked out an arrangement with his vice president, Nixon, um, to set up a, a process for transferring power. Um, but he recognized that a, a, a private agreement between the president and vice president wasn't enough. We needed something in the Constitution. So he started the ball rolling on that. Then after the Kennedy assassination, momentum really picked up for providing for presidents that, you know, they said, what if Kennedy had survived but not been able to function? And um, so Section 3 and 4 of the amendment allow the president to um, have his power pass temporarily to the vice president. It doesn't remove him from office. It's mm -hmm. So section section three is uh, allowing him to hand power over and then take it back when he says he's better. Section four, which is what the book is about, is for when the president can't or won't say that he's unable to um, discharge his powers and duties. Hmm. Um, so in, in our current context, we have um, calls for uh, the 25th to be invoked and specifically there was a call for Vice President Pence to assemble the cabinet and for the cabinet to vote uh, to remove the uh, President Trump. Um, the The current cabinet has a number of acting cabinet members. Uh, I don't know the composite of the current cabinet, how many members it is. Seems like to me it's around 15 or 16, but I don't know that for sure. I do know there's several acting cabinet members. There was a question as to whether acting cabinet members would even be able to vote in such uh, a situation. So if you could walk us through uh, what it would look like, the names that were mentioned, I think that had actually had discussions were Pompeo and Mnuchin. And then uh, Pence announced that he was unwilling to uh, pursue that Avenue. So walk us through what it might have looked like. And I'm, I'm asking you to speculate based on your knowledge, not just simply make up a scenario, but what it might have looked like for two cabinet members to have started a discussion Two cabinet members resign, Devos and uh, Chow resigned, uh, and then the vice president is brought in at some point, and then you have acting cabinet members. Walk through a scenario of what that might have looked like in, in kind of real time. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with making up scenarios. The book is, is full of them, but in this case, <laughs> we do have a little more information. Um, so it's important to note that even if the cabinet w was unanimous, they need the vice president to sign on to invoke section four. Um, so they can have discussions, but nothing, nothing would go forward without the vice president and anyone uh, in the cabinet. And, and this is the, the 15 official members of the cabinet. This doesn't include the so-called cabinet level posts, like the trade representative or the chief of staff. It's just those 15. Okay. Um, those 15 would, you'd need a majority of those 15. And if there's a vacancy, if someone is acting, um, it's, it's not clear. There's a, a conflicting legislative history on this. I, I think the better argument is that acting secretaries can participate because otherwise the president could just fire the entire cabinet and then they wouldn't be able to use the 25th Amendment. 
but it isn't clear. So right now, um, Secretary Chow is in until the 11th, I believe. But once she is gone, then there will be 10 confirmed members of the cabinet out of the 15. So if they wanted to move forward, they would need, uh, as a practical matter to avoid any sort of challenge, they would need eight of the 15, including the acting. And then they'd need also a majority, six of the 10 um, confirmed members. Wow. So maybe actings can participate, maybe they can't. But if they can't, then they're taking taking them out of the denominator, and you just need a majority of who's left. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it doesn't um, it doesn't present a problem. It's not there's no quorum requirement. You don't need a maximum, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, a minimum of eight votes. It's just a majority of whoever can vote. Um, and yeah, we we've heard discussion about them discussing it all along, but there are a lot of reasons why I think it's unsurprising that the discussions never got very far. Why they, they discussed it, but they never mm-hmm. actually invoked it. Um, it seems from what we can tell, the the discussions, and, and this is again, I'm speculating now a little bit from just public knowledge. Uh, it seems like the discussions were were brief, and that Pence decided to announce that he would not participate, and then that just kind of ended it within like a, I don't know, maybe even a 12-hour stretch of time, and so there just wasn't a lot of tension involved um, once it became known that there had been discussions, and then all of a sudden Pence says, well, I'm not going to do it, and that was the end of it, um, which leads to the next part of the 25th, uh, Section 4, which says, or of such other body as Congress may by law provide. Um, walk us through what that might look like. That's a, another big um, issue right now. People are talking about that a lot, and, and Speaker Pelosi has been uh, talking about that as well. Apparently, there have been discussions of that, but it's not really um, relevant right now. Um, so there was a compromise made. Not everyone wanted the cabinet to be the decision maker. Uh, so they wrote that into the amendment as uh, a compromise. And they said, look, if, if it ever turns out that it uh, looks like the cabinet's not the right group for the job, then Congress can legislate a, a different decision-making body. The vice president would still need to sign on, but instead of the cabinet, you'd have this other commission. And it's been 53 years, and Congress has never passed such a law. they never really even come close. Uh, people have suggested them. There have been bills introduced, but but they've never done it. And they would need to do it, when, when the Constitution says by law, they would need to do it by passing a statute. So if they tried to do it now, if they passed the statute to make it easier to get the president out to bypass the cabinet, the president would veto that. Yeah. Or <laughs> more likely, he wouldn't even do that. He would just, he would just sit on it yeah. for... He's got 10 days, not including Sundays, where he doesn't have to sign it or veto it. So he would just he would just run out the clock. Uh, and then even if he did veto it, if uh, uh, they overrode his veto, uh, and they it would take time to stock this commission for members, and then Pence would still need to be on board. So it's it's not an option in, in the short term. And in the long term, uh, again, it's been 53 years, and they they've never. Um, never decided it was worth displacing the cabinet from its role. This is Marty Dern. I'm talking to uh, Professor Brian Colt from Michigan State University about the 25th Amendment to the Constitution, how the president might be removed by the uh, by an act of the cabinet. And uh, we'll be right back after this. 
Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen me mention the Uncommentary Book Club, and this is something I'm super excited about, and I hope that uh, all of you will participate in this opportunity. So one of our listeners, one uh, um, a listener of Uncommentary, actually suggested this. He ran the idea up the flagpole, and I double-checked with Byron at Hearts and Minds Books to see if we'd be able to pull this off, and he was amenable to it. So here's what's going on with the uh, Uncommentary Book Club. So you have an opportunity. This is going to be. This has got to be low tech because none of us have the ability to pull off something super big like used to be back in the day, the Columbia Book Club or Book of the Month Club or those kinds of things. This is technically a Book of the Month Club, but there's not going to be a, a flyer and options and that kind of thing. This is the way it's going to be set up. If you'd like to be a member of the Uncommentary Book Club uh, and you are currently a Patreon supporter, as of January 9th, 2021, then you can opt in just by joining. So if you're at the $2 level, the $3 level, the $5 level, the $10 level, the $20 level, uh, you can opt in just by joining. You don't have to do anything extra beyond that. So I encourage you to do that as quickly as you can. If you are not currently an Uncommentary supporter uh, through Patreon, this is how you can join the Uncommentary Book Club. Uh, go to my Patreon page, and select the book club level. It's $4 a month, which is very little. You know, it's two Cokes and two candy bars or one meal, less than a meal at Chick-fil-A. Um, the $4 level, that's the book club level that gets you into uh, the book club. That doesn't buy you any books. It doesn't get you any, any rewards uh, other than a sticker, a logo sticker. You'll get that. Uh, but you'll be able to join the Uncommentary Book Club. This is the way that it will work. Every month... Uh, Byron and I will work together to curate a new or newish book or a really good classic older book, um, and it'll be sent to you. Then I will interview the author. So we're not going to be sending you anything. We're not going to be sending you Beowulf or the works of Shakespeare. Uh, there will be an author interview with every book in the book club. Uh, there will be um, the opportunity to get the book, to hear the interview. Um the book will be bought from Hearts and Minds Books. So you're not buying anything from Patreon. You're not buying anything from Uncommentary, anything like that. You'll be, uh, your information will be with Hearts and Minds. It'll be secure with Hearts and Minds. Your address will be with Hearts and Minds. And you'll, you'll get the book every month. And then you'll have, uh, there'll be an author interview that you can listen to. Um, the books will be between, generally speaking, be between $25 and $30 a month. That will include a discount and shipping. So you won't get a bill for a book and a whole bunch of extra money to have it shipped to you. Uh, it'll be at one price, all-inclusive, and we're going to keep it in the as best we can in the $25 to $30 range. So it'll be automatic. You need to be aware of that. It'll be automatic. If you're in the book club, you'll automatically get the book each month. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a concern of getting bad books. If you're in Patreon, we will keep a running. I will keep a running list in there of the books that are coming up so that you'll be sure not to go and buy them for yourself. Uh, you'll get them. So the $4 level, if you're a current Patreon supporter of Uncommentary, you can join. All you have to do is let me know in Patreon that you want to join. Send me a message in Patreon that you want to join. And I will pass your information to Hearts and Minds. If you're new to Uncommentary, you need to join at the book club level at $4 a month. And then I will get your information uh, to Hearts and Minds. I'll connect you so that you can get your book every month. This will start in March, so you have some time. 
but I want to encourage you to go ahead and do that if you can. Um, second thing about it, the, the second step of the book club is I will attempt, and this will be no extra cost, I will attempt to help the members of the club who are interested in book discussions to facilitate an online, like a Zoom discussion, uh, each month of the book that uh, that's part of the book club. So that will that's included with your book club cost uh, at $4 a month. In the future, what I hope to do, and this would be a different level of support, is to have monthly the book, you get the book, and there will be uh, a Zoom with the author itself. So this would be obviously a limited group of probably 10 people, um, and you'd get to participate in a monthly Zoom call with the author of the book of that month. So that will be later in 2021. But right now, if you're interested, uh, go to the Patreon, 4 bucks a month, go ahead and sign up. The information will there. Uh, and we'll get started with books in March. And um, thanks. All right, we're back uh, with Brian Colt. And Brian, I want to ask you this question. What? Um, so we've been talking about the 25th Amendment and how it can be invoked and that kind of thing. What is it actually meant to cover? So what's the, I guess, the breadth of the 25th Amendment in relation to the presidency? When they wrote it, they were thinking about presidents like Garfield and Wilson. They were thinking about someone who was incapacitated in the sense of being in a coma or in an extreme medical situation where, where they couldn't function. And that was their main concern. Um, there are other ways that a president might be, you know, could be kidnapped. He could be um, incommunicado some other way. But they wanted to make it so that in a situation like that, where the president couldn't invoke Section 3, couldn't say, hey, vice president, I, I can't do this, you can take over, that power would transfer immediately, swiftly. You'd always have a, a hand at the helm. Um, but they recognized when, when they were setting that up, if you set up a way to strip power from the president, people are going to be tempted to use it. Uh, they, so they were worried about the possibility of a, a mutiny. One way around that was by making the cabinet the decision-making body. They, they said, well, let's have the call be made by people who are close to the president, not people who might already want him gone. But the second thing they did was they provided this process for the president to contest it. So if the president is able to contest it, if he's able to say no inability exists, as Section 4 puts it, then the deck is really stacked in his favor. So if the president's in a coma, it's easy to use Section 4. Right. If the president is able to say, I'm fine, it's designed to protect him mm -hmm. and designed to stack the deck again in his favor by saying he he can have his power stripped in that situation. But if he says he's okay, he will get his power back fairly soon unless the vice president and the cabinet and two-thirds of the House and two-thirds of the Senate say that he's not okay. Wow. And so it doesn't it doesn't say what unable means, but if you have a president who's doing bad things, not that he can't do anything, but that he's doing bad things, you're supposed to use impeachment mm. for that. Because um, if, if if you need two thirds in the House and two thirds in the Senate for Section Four, well, that's more than you need for impeachment. Impeachment, you only need a simple majority in the House. So they wanted to make sure if the problem was people didn't like what the president was doing they would use impeachment and not use this as an end run. And that's why we haven't seen Section 4 get invoked, because the president has more than enough support, um, has for four years, had more than enough support in Congress that it wouldn't stick if they, if they tried it. And, and if it doesn't <laughs> stick, 
then you're not making things better. He comes back and, and, and you still have whatever problems you had before, but now he's mad. Yeah. And goodness knows he's able to say, I'm fine. <laughs> That's not going to be an issue. Yeah. He might not be able to tweet it anymore, right. but, but he can, he can send his, he, he doesn't have to, he can send his declaration under the amendment to Congress and say, I'm fine. And, um, of course, at this point in the term, they might be able to run out the clock. So, he, the deck is stacked in his favor to take back power soon, but in this case, there's not really enough time left. And so, if there was um, maybe not two thirds in the House and Senate, but enough to slow walk the vote, mm-hmm. if they would have 21 days, then um, then it, if they did invoke it, it would keep him out for the remainder of his term. So you mentioned during the break, uh, as we were talking back and forth, the issue of timing, and I think you just kind of hedged into it right there. Um, what what is it about the issue of timing? Is there an issue other than hey, this could take enough time that he could run out the clock and his term would expire, Biden would be president? Uh, there is some talk about on the impeachment side that he could be convicted by the Senate even after he's out of office, which I didn't know until recently. But is there a timing issue specifically related to the uh, invocation invoking the twenty fifth? being as close as we are to the end of his term? There are, there are a couple of really crucial details about that that I, I think people need to understand. First, if the vice president and cabinet invoke the amendment, power transfers to the vice president immediately. Um, then if the president says that he's okay, that doesn't give him his power back immediately. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, he says he's okay, and he takes power back immediately. He doesn't. And it would be very dangerous if you thought so. So it's very important that people get that. If he says he's okay, that starts a four-day waiting period. And during those four days, the vice president and cabinet can again say, no, he's not okay. He's not able. That would send the dispute to Congress to resolve. But importantly, during that four-day period, the vice president stays in charge. And then if it goes to Congress, the vice president stays in charge while Congress deliberates. And Congress has 21 days. Um, if they don't do anything in 21 days, the president gets his power back. If they take a vote, if either house, and they could vote on day one if they want, if either house doesn't get two-thirds, he takes his power back immediately. But um, there's at least those four days that he'd be out, and then up to 21 days while Congress deliberates that he could be out. And we're well within... You know, there's a lot less than 25 days in the term. So right. That, that's how the clock could be run out with the vice president remaining in, in charge throughout that period. So uh, when we were talking, I, I guess this was before we started recording, um, I mentioned the West Wing episodes. Uh, a lot of my listeners are West Wing fans. A lot of folks I interact with on Twitter are huge West Wing fans. Um and we mentioned this, the uh, West Wing episodes where um, uh, basically, um, I'm struggling for his name here, uh, Bartlett, uh, because his daughter's been kidnapped, uh, offers the 25th, and so he, he submits his power away until she's uh, found, and then he gets it back, and John Goodman plays the guy. And they built it around a vacancy in the vice presidency, I think, so the Speaker of the House had to become vice president. Uh, and you said, oh, there's all kinds of problems with that storyline <laughs> and the, and that your book contains yeah. an entire chapter about it. So uh, go ahead and, and give us the uh, the critics view of what Aaron Sorkin got wrong about uh, the 25th. 
Yeah, the, the chapter in the book, I go through every novel, TV show, and movie that section four, and most of the ones on TV get it badly wrong, which is important because section four has never been used in real life. So people's understanding of section four is based on what they see uh, on TV. Um, and uh, impeachment, you've got Clinton, you've got Trump. People understand it just from following the news. But here, Hollywood really has the power to lead us astray, and they have. So the problem in the West Wing, there are two, two times the 25th Amendment came up. The first time was the, uh, the storyline where Bartlett was shot. Right. And um, there was this big deal about that he didn't sign the letter, they, that, that power didn't transfer to the vice president. And the problem with that was they were talking about Section 3, and they were acting like there's no such thing as Section 4. If they had needed to transfer power, it wouldn't have mattered if he signed the letter. We had the whole point of Section 4 is if the president can't or won't sign the letter, we can still transfer power. Mm-hmm. So that was very disappointing. Because usually they were pretty accurate about stuff. Then the, the episode with John Goodman as speaker coming in, um, the episode is called 25. Uh, in reference to the amendment. So again, gets my hopes up. Right. So get it right. <laughs> the, the, the problem, the problem is it's a matter of uh, maybe a sort of a picky thing that only a law professor who writes books about the 25th amendment would, would object to. But the problem is that section four requires that there be a vice president. If oh, there wow. is not a yeah. vice president to invoke section four um, or section three, if there's not a vice president to transfer power to take over, 25th Amendment doesn't apply. Wow. So Article 2 of the Constitution says if the president is unable, um, then the vice president steps up. And if there's no president or vice president, then we go to the line of succession. The first part of that, transferring power to the vice president, was addressed by the 25th Amendment. And when they were doing it, they said, well, maybe we should talk about what happens if there is no vice president and we have to go down the line of succession. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, the amendment, it's too wordy as it is. I don't, I don't know why they were worried about that. I think getting it right was more important than meaning a word limit. Right. <laughs> they specifically left open the question of what happens past the vice president. So there's, there's nothing in the 25th Amendment that provides for passing power past the vice president. That's amazing. Um, but we do still have Article 2, the line of succession statute, the 1947 Act puts the set, uh, speaker in, in line, would still apply. The issue would be if there's a disagreement. So I, I wrote about this a few months ago when people, when Trump had COVID, and what happens if Pence gets COVID too, and what if they're both on the ventilator? Um, there aren't any processes or standards. If there's no doubt about it, then Pelosi would step up. Right. But there could be there could be doubts. Pence could say, I'm just fine. Uh, or people could say it's actually unconstitutional to have the speaker in the line of succession. That 1947 statute is, is unconstitutional. And there's some pretty good arguments that it is. Wow. Um, so what Congress should do, what they should have done 53 years ago, is just pass a statute. Um, they can provide a line of succession under the Necessary and Proper Clause. They can fill in the details. They can say. The speaker steps up if the president and vice president are both out. And here's how we know. Uh, here's who decides. Here's mm-hmm. what the process is. Here's what the standards are. And they could do something just like the 25th Amendment. They yeah. could say, if the speaker and a majority of the cabinet say so, uh, and if the president or acting president is um, being displaced, 
and says that they're okay. Again, same process, send it to Congress, two-thirds majority. They could do that. They could do it tomorrow if they wanted. And it would really help because, you know, we should know at any given moment who the president is. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, and they, can, they can add that clarity. And I don't know why, I, I guess they don't like, they don't like dealing with hypotheticals. Yeah. Um, they, they, they prefer to concentrate on real problems. Don't really do much about those either most of the time, but, <laughs> but it's hard to get them interested. So I'm thinking maybe, maybe the opportunity is there while all of this is fresh in people's minds. Um, to move forward on it in the next Congress, but I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. My guest today has been Brian Colt from Michigan State University. He's the author of Unable, The Law, Politics, and Limits of Section 4 of the 25th Amendment. This has been a fascinating discussion. Now, you're on Twitter. Is it just at Brian C. Colt, K-A-L-T? Is that right? Uh, well, so there are a lot of Brian Colts out there, and one of them beat me to the punch. So I'm at Prof Brian Colt. Okay, and it is? R-O-F. B-R-I-A-N-K-A-L-T. Excellent. And your book is available everywhere, I imagine. Um, and you can order it through Hearts and Minds. It is, I'm looking at it on the Amazon page, of course, but you can order it through Hearts and Minds Books. Uh, Brian, thanks for thanks for taking the time this Saturday morning, and uh, I hope you get a lot more opportunities to explain what's going on related to the 25th Amendment. Well, I don't know. I'm usually happier when my work is, is more hypothetical, but uh, yeah, fingers crossed. As always, thank you for listening to Uncommentary. If you'd like to keep up with me on Twitter, it's at Marty Duran. If you'd like to follow the podcast account, it's at UncommentaryPod. Please rate and review. And whichever podcatcher you listen to, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Podbean uh, or Overcast or CastBox, whichever one you use, uh, if you can rate and review, then that would be awesome. It just helps with search results and gives some credibility uh, to the podcast itself. Uh, and as you have an opportunity, if you would promote it, whether you uh, put the link from uncommentarypodcast.com uh, on your Facebook page or if you tweet the link or retweet the, uh, the initial broadcast that it's live, uh, anything like that to help spread the word is always appreciated. And as always, uh, Solideo Gloria, this is Marty Duran for Uncommentary Podcast. Uncommentary Podcast.